Want to patent your invention? The chance is near. You've given it heart. Now get it in gear. It's Passage to Profit with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. Wow, do we have an exciting show tonight? I can hardly wait. Something old is new again and a lot more interesting than it used to be. <laughs> so what are we talking about tonight? So we are talking about learning how to use Excel. Don't go to sleep, Excel. No, you this mean like guy. Microsoft Excel? Microsoft Excel. So this guy. You mean the spreadsheet thing with all the numbers and the and boxes. The formulas and, and the, the cells and the. Boy, that's going to make for an exciting show. How are no, we going to pull this off? No, no. So this guy, Jordan, has made it interesting for people. Brought it down to a normal person's level. Even though he could talk, tech speak, like programming, like at the very top of the mountain, he has brought it down to where we can understand so it. So the theme of the show tonight is how to make an old product new again. And make money doing it. And you're listening to Passage to Profit, and we're all about entrepreneurs, entrepreneurism, and intellectual property. And with us tonight is Jordan Goldmeyer from Excel TV. So tell us about your company and what you guys do. Absolutely. So at Excel TV, we are all about helping you excel yourself. So we started with Excel skills, but we really want to help everyone excel their career, excel their data knowledge, especially now as data really is becoming one of the main drivers of business, if it wasn't already, but even more so, we want to help people cross that spectrum and really help them excel themselves, right? Through self-actualization, landing that job, starting a consulting business, or just really building that chart that, you know, in 10 minutes instead of two hours. Now, I will say personally, I don't know that if I made Excel interesting, because I, I think I think it was always interesting. Uh-oh. That's, that's where alert. I come from. Geek alert. <laughs> but you don't Nerd look alert. like a geek. Oh, I appreciate that. Sitting here, he looks very cool and hip, and he uh, just moved to Brooklyn, he told me. So, <laughs> so Jordan, though, just right so here. our listeners get a better idea, if they go to your website, what do they see? Uh, so if they go to the website, they're going to see two things. So uh, they're going to see our blog, which our blog is really just a feed from our YouTube. So we have a big YouTube presence. YouTube is the main way that people learn how to do things these days. So we are there helping people excel themselves to learn how to build complicated things in Excel. We've been doing it for several years. We also do easier things. We try to really go across the spectrum. Is it for beginners? Is it for experts? Who would benefit from your program? My view is it's for everyone. And the thing that I've learned is when I first started this, it was really all about how do we show people the technical skills to get the things done that they need. But really what I've found in doing this in training for years and years is that a lot of people are already good enough and they're already smart enough. So really behind all that, we want to give people the confidence to operate in this data space because it's very easy, right, to think, I don't know any of this anymore. I've been doing this for 30 years and I'm left behind. And what we want to say is you've been a critical thinker this whole time. We want to help you use those skills to actually use a modern product. But you are already smart enough to do it. Excel came out in 1985 and Mm -hmm. I was... That's amazing that you know that. Well, I looked it up before the show. Do you know when PowerPoint came out? No. (laughs) (laughs) But I will say I was much younger then. We were both very young in 1985. It was kind of hard to use. You kind of had to be part of a programmer to use it. And I remember when the sum function came out, it's like, oh, wow, it's like right up there in the toolbar and you could just click the things and you can add them all up. (laughs) That's kind of almost, I can do a few graphs. It's kind of almost as far as I've gotten. But you've taken it, instead of having a manual that people have to read, you put it on YouTube, which I feel like is the new way people are learning, as you said. So you've taken an old thing and made it new again by using the new tools of today. Mm -hmm. You know, what I've done is not actually much different than what you're doing, right? Because radio itself is an older technology. The way that we've used this technology has ebbed and flowed, and now we're using it, even in this case, to talk about entrepreneurialism. So when we think about what YouTube is, right, we wanted to take the message of how to build an Excel to the people. So I started out in corporations, right? I started as the Excel guy, and what I really found and maybe this is just about me personally, is that I was not satisfied just helping out my small circle of people. And what I really wanted to do is not help executives get a report faster. I wanted to help empower people like me because I am still at heart a nerd, right? So I wanted to help people like me make changes in organizations with data. So whether that's data visualization, whether that's how to use a tool, 
whether that's just making an Excel joke. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote an Excel joke book. It's I did. Did you really? It is. It's it's in the back of another book. So I don't I don't tell a lot of people about it, but now I guess New York knows. Well, in case you just tuned in, everybody, you're listening to Jordan Goldmeyer of Excel TV. How can we find you? So you can find me at Excel.tv. You can also find me on YouTube. You can follow our channel. You can also find me on LinkedIn. Just type in Jordan Goldmeyer. If people go to Excel TV, they'll get all these great classes on how to use Excel. And the theme of tonight's show is taking something old and refreshing it. So what were your thoughts about making Excel more interesting? One of the things I did was I realized Excel could just be more than reports and spreadsheets. So one of my early things I did when I was blogging is I built this 3D Excel maze and I put that out there and suddenly the onion had picked it up. And then I had a friend who built um, an Excel game and BBC picked that up. And so I was part of this community. They were saying, hey, this is actually a really cool tool that you can build things very quickly. It's not this boring old accounting thing that everyone used to think of it as. You took a very creative approach. Absolutely. You, you did some things with Excel that nobody thought of before. That's right. And you got a lot of attention from that. It's and you, true. And you thought, well, why not turn this into a business of some sort? I think that there's something very interesting to learn when you use old things in a new way. You come with these really creative ideas. We're constantly creating on everything. So I realized that if I wanted to help other people be creative like that, and I think that that is the future of Excel, the future of this product, I needed to bring that message out so that people could hear it and be comfortable doing that at their workplace. Excel is really extremely powerful. I didn't even know people were custom programming in Excel. Absolutely. So law firms are actually one of the customers that I know of that prefers this type of custom programming in Excel because there's so much data, different charging codes, different clients, different times, different people are working. You know, if you are a partner and then you have people under you, how does that charging code flow up? So that type of calculation is actually kind of bespoke. So you could go out to a third-party cloud platform, but they might not have those rules in it. But Excel, you can build those rules in easily. One thing that I've learned through the years and Microsoft has embraced is that Excel is very much within the workflow at most organizations. So we ask, you know, how do we put a fresh face on something old? But part of that is Excel that it just never goes away. So there's all these different <laughs> platforms, right? And it always, it always kind of flows through back into Excel. And now there's these really new, interesting technologies, Power Query and data models that Microsoft has put in, which really just changes the entire program from what it used to be. And I think I really have to convince a lot of people to not use it in the old way and to embrace a lot of the new technologies Microsoft has created. I think this will speak to the entrepreneurs out there. I don't know if this is really tactical advice, but if you love something, if you love what you're building and you love what you're working on, you will figure out new ways and new avenues to sell it. Well, that's awesome. If you're just tuned in, you're listening to Passage to Profit with Richard and Elizabeth Gerhart, and we're here with our guest, Jordan Goldmeyer of Excel TV. Jordan, you have a training platform for Excel. You do it through videos. What makes your videos different from other training videos for Excel? One of the things that we pride ourselves on is our trainers are professional professionals. So a lot of these other videos are created by professional trainers. That means that they could go download someone else's training materials. That may mean that they were trained to be trainers. We are professionals first. That means if you ask a question that's related but outside of what we teach, we can think about the answer, right? We can think, hey, how did we use this in our own work? And we can provide that kind of advice for you. So we're here to help you step-by-step step through it because we want to help you excel yourself and succeed as you go through the platform. I like to learn from people who are just like me because they have gone through the experience. It's not coming from an academic journal. It's not coming from a textbook. It's not just another class that a professor is teaching to fill their course load, right? This is coming from people who just love it so much that they want to share it. And so to the extent that they've influenced me, I would like to help influence others. That's a great thought. This is Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart on iHeartRadio with Passage to Profit. WOR 710, the voice of of New York. There's never been a better time to start your own business. The opportunities are infinite and only limited by your imagination and enthusiasm. At Gearheart Law, we believe the most successful companies all have one thing in common. They start with a solid foundation first. Gearheart Law has years of experience protecting entrepreneurs, ideas, and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company 
name that you want to protect, contact the experts at www.gearheartlaw.com. Our professionals will create a custom strategy designed to fit your needs and your budget. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection, licensed and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Visit gearheartlaw.com. Together, we can change the world. Visit G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W.com. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Now back to Passage to Profit. Once again, Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. And our special guest, Jordan Goldmeyer, who's telling us all about his training videos for Excel and how he made a business out of something he loves, which we will get to that, Excel, and is making money teaching people how to use it. Yeah, you don't even have to necessarily create a product. You have to find a good product that you're passionate about and find a new way to use it or present it. Kenya Gibson is our media maven here at iHeart, and she asks the burning question, why, Jordan, really, why do you love Excel so much? That That is a great question. So my answer is that I, I accidentally fell into it. Uh, I've been coding forever. I love computer programming. My father really wanted me to be an accountant, so I majored in accounting and I minored in computer science. And I told you I was an auditor. I wasn't very good at that side of it, but I loved building these accounting platforms because I really liked thinking about it. And then I did a lot of contracting work for the government. And one thing is they had a choice between buying this big vendor platform or they could have me build something a little bit smaller in Excel. And my stuff was faster and it was easier to build and they didn't have to go through a vendor to get those changes. So what we realized really quickly is that we had a tool here that we could build these mini applications, and the government loves doing analytics and doing analysis. And Excel is just built for that. And you could even send it around in, in an email. That's great. So what are some of the things that Excel can do? Because when I think of it, I just think of it adding or subtracting columns. That's the limit of my skill. Really what Excel can do is provide your business insight. So data visualization is another thing that I'm really so what is of. data visualization? I'll bring up an example. So let's say you have a line chart. So let's all just take a moment, breathe think in, about, and think about a line chart, chart, right? You have X on one axis, Y on the other, mm-hmm, and you mm-hmm. have little scattered dots all over right. the place. Right. So, so let's say we think of a line chart that kind of goes up and then it dips, right? So if I was looking at a whole bunch of data points, just a list of numbers, my brain is not set up to understand where that dip is immediately. Versus if I look at it on a line chart, right, I could see that dip right away. And here's the thing, okay? If I have 100 data points, trying to figure out where it went down is a lot harder to do. If I put it on a line chart, it's easy. So if we do it with our brains, we have to use working memory and think like a computer. In many cases, when you use data visualization, it doesn't matter if you're plotting five things or a 1,000, or if we think of big data, a billion things, right? If we can reduce it to a line chart, a bar chart, something like that, the delivery of information happens instantaneously because our brains are set up to understand patterns differently as visuals, that we understand visuals different than we understand numbers on paper or numbers on the screen. So what are some of the other things, though, that besides data visualization that we can use Excel for that our listeners may not be familiar with? A few of the other things is data wrangling, as I would call it. So Microsoft has a new technology called Power Query that so few people know about. And Power Query is a way to bring in data sets of unbelievable size and to do really awesome um, changes to them. So a lot of us have to pull data from a system and then The old way in Excel is we have to use these formulas, we have to delete this stuff. Microsoft has Power Query, and it makes it so much easier to use. And your listeners are feel free to look at the Power Query content that we have for free on YouTube to really explain it. The things you can do with Excel, most of us know it as budgeting. You can plan like events with Excel. So if you need to record that type of data, you can create calendars in Excel. And you can also, as I've done, create games in Excel. So if you have a bunch of data in Excel, can you store it in the cloud? Sure. So one of the ways to do that is through Office 365, and I'm sure some of your listeners have that platform. So you can store it in the cloud if you'd like, and then you can draw from it with Excel Desktop. If I could take a moment just to give you one other technology that's really important right now, and that's called Power BI. It started in Excel, and now it's moved out, but it works with Excel very well. And Power BI allows you to create reports very quickly, and you don't have to be a data visualization guru. You can just sit down, point, and click. So we're here with Jordan Goldmeyer from Excel TV, who's an expert trainer and also obviously an expert on using Excel. One last question, and that is, is if somebody is starting a business, they need to keep track of certain things, inventory, finances, Excel. What do they need to know about Excel and where can they get this information? The best place to learn this these days is on YouTube. So I would just start by saying how to do this. I, even as I am an Excel expert and I've written books on Excel, I still look up things all the time. 
So Google is your best friend. The easiest way to get started is when you open Excel, there's a whole bunch of templates. So there's a budget template. So go on, look for what's relevant to your business and start that way and then figure out what you like and expand from there. And where can we find you again, Jordan? You can find me at Excel.tv. You can email me, Jordan at Excel.tv. You can find us on Twitter, also Excel TV, and you can find us on YouTube and Facebook. We have a great Facebook group too. And you're a wealth of Excel information, Jordan. Thanks so much. This is Richard and Elizabeth Gerhart on iHeartRadio with Passage to Profit. WOR 710, the voice of New York. What are entrepreneurs' most valuable assets? Their passion and ideas. We can't protect your passion, but we can protect your ideas. Trust Gearheart Law to protect your ideas with premier patent, trademark, and copyright services. There's never been a better time to start your own business. Contact us at GearheartLaw.com. At Gearheart Law, we have years of experience protecting entrepreneurs' ideas and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at Gearheart Law, www.gearheartlaw.com. Don't let the wrong protection strategy ruin your business. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection and are licensed and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Contact Gearheart Law on the web at G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W.com. Together, we can change the world. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Passage to Profit continues with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. And our guest this evening, Jordan Goldmeyer from XLTV. And we have as our special guest, media maven, Kenya Gibson from iHeart. I'm back. All right. She's back. So good to see you again. Thank oh, you. Oh, I'm glad to be back. So this is a podcast as well as a radio show. So if you are listening to this anywhere and you miss part of it, you can find the podcast on the iHeart podcast platform tomorrow. And honestly, if you did not hear... Jordan, talk about Excel. It's he will amazing. excel your career. Yes, <laughs> I mean, will. So, he is so, an accelerant so in go, and of himself. So go back and listen to Jordan on the podcast. So. By all means, and while you're there, check out the Gerhardt Law website, too, with all sorts of helpful topics on intellectual property. We have the trademark process, the patent process, information about copyrights. You can read about the bios of our team there. It's a really great place to go and learn about intellectual property and get to know us a little bit better. And if you ever have any questions about intellectual property, you should call us. Call us at 908-273-0700. Richard and Elizabeth, you're both experts, right? You know the world of intellectual property probably better than anyone. I know, don't know a lot about it. I, I would say that's probably true. But. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Richard especially because Honestly, in his career, he was working for a company and a competitor made the same product, but he was able to find a patent that covered it. And he took that to court and he hired outside counsel to actually do the litigation. And he won. We won big time. Wow. Yeah. And the stock so, price went up of wow. the parent company. That was a great experience. And and I can honestly say there probably is not anything in the world of intellectual property I haven't done in the 30 years that I've been doing it. When we talk about intellectual property, I think sometimes when people talk about trademarking and patents, we only think of trademarking or patenting a name. But there's all different kinds of things that can be patented. So what what are some of those things? Well, devices, but they have to be unique enough. So you can kind of build off something else, but you have to have a novel twist to it to get your patent allowed. I have a question. If I make a spreadsheet and I think this is really a cool thing, and obviously if I send it out, everyone can see my formulas, things like that. Even if I protect it, they know how to crack it. Is that something that I could protect legally? That's a great question. And I actually did have a client one time who wanted to protect uh, an Excel spreadsheet. It's very difficult for two reasons. One, the Excel software is already public domain. So that's really nothing new that you can do for that. But then the other thing is the patent law prohibits protecting abstract ideas. And so generally mathematical formulas are considered by the patent office to be abstract ideas. So you're combining software that's been out in the public domain with abstract ideas. And so it may be possible, but it's going to be a really tough road to hoe. And most patent attorneys probably would encourage you to think of other ways to protect that information. So in thinking that it's difficult, what would be the challenges? What would I have to overcome to get it through if I wanted to do something like that? You have to tie it to something that's tangible. Or you would have to show that some sort of reprogramming of the Excel software represents an advance in the art. And so in order to give better advice on that, we'd really 
really have to like look at the program, look at the data, see what it does. But those would be the considerations that guide us. So it sounds like from a conceptual standpoint that ideas are a little bit more trickier to patent rather than something that's tangible. Right. And I would say, though, that if you have an idea, if you think it's valuable and you want to protect it, you should always at least contact a professional and get their view on it because, and especially should contact your heart law, by the way, 908-273-0700. Blatant <laughs> commercial, promotion. shameless promotion. <laughs> but you should get some feedback on it because sometimes the patent professional can kind of help configure it so that it becomes protectable, even if it wouldn't be just exactly the way you stated it. Gotcha. And, and then at what stage does, should someone reach out to you? So I have an idea. I wake up one morning and I'm interested in taking it to the next level. At what point should I pick up the phone and call Gearheart Law? I think as soon as you're pretty serious about it, and once you get to the point of you're willing to make, you've done some market research, you've figured out whether making it is feasible, and then when you're ready to start actually putting money into your project, is a time that you should consult with a patent professional, just even just to do a search to make sure that somebody else hasn't already protected it. But as soon as it's clear in your mind what the idea is and how you're going to sell it, you should do at least a search on it to make sure that nobody else has it. You know, a lot of consultants in this space, they end up doing work for other companies and then they'll sign a form that says that that work, that programming, that data, things like that are owned by that other company. Are you saying that in some of those factors may not be protectable? Because this is something I struggle with because if I bring a technique to a company and then I go to another company, am I allowed to reuse that? Well, it all depends on what you agree to in your your contract. When you're in a contract, you can characterize something as IP, uh, the intellectual property or the data. You can call it data or you can call it programming. And you can still have ownership rights in that, even if you don't have a patent or a trademark or a copyright. So you can say, okay, I'm going to own all the intellectual property on this spreadsheet and I can use it someplace else. And they might say, well, we're willing to pay you more if we get to keep it for ourselves so we get to maintain a competitive advantage. So all of that is something that's negotiated in your contract. Getting something patented or trademarked or getting some sort of protection on it is one thing, right? But enforcement is another. Let's say I've built something and I don't want other people to use it and I see a competitor, let's say they're using uh, work from my online course, when is the right moment that I think it's right to, that I should go after them? Well, you have to assess what is the business impact of the infringement. And then you have to balance that against the cost of getting a lawyer involved. I mean, you can start, and I would say a lot of entrepreneurs can start, just by sending them a letter or picking mm-hmm. up the phone. A lot of times people don't even know that they're infringing. If third party is, says, no, we're, we're not going to stop, and then you see that you're losing business because of it, then it's probably time to get a lawyer involved. And a lot of these situations can just be resolved with a discussion. You don't necessarily have to go to court, mm-hmm. but it is important that you enforce your IP. Yeah, so we had a case, well, I don't know, 10 years ago, a calculator that somebody had patented. I think they had a design patent on it. And they were selling it, and then somebody ripped them off and was selling one that looked exactly the same. And I think in that case, we just sent a letter, right? Right. Well, they were selling it through dollar stores and through Walmart. And so we sent a letter to them, but we also sent a letter to Walmart. And once Walmart saw that there could be a legal issue, they dropped the product, and we never had to go to court. How often do you see intellectual property theft in your field? I mean, I see it everywhere. Yeah, (laughs) all the time, yeah. (laughs) That's my world. The clients come to us and they have these issues. And it's very interesting because it's all around how do you define the idea, who owns the idea, who has rights to the idea, is it a patent, trademark, or copyright? It's very prevalent. And there's a whole, right now, international kerfuffle about what's going on in China versus the U.S. in terms of intellectual property. Some people feel like uh, people in China are not respecting U.S. IP, and it's a big issue. You know, you were saying you would have to evaluate whether you wanted to pursue them and to what degree, and I was just going to say if you were able to take something like that and quantify it, Right. Well, Excel would be a great tool to look at the different scenarios. <laughs> Do you have a video on that? <laughs> I should. Maybe we I should partner on That's that video. That's a brilliant idea, actually, because a patent is an investment, and it actually is a piece of property for people that don't know this. You can put it in your will, and you can pass it down to your kids when you die if you want to. And it's good for 20 years from the time you first file it. 
But you always have to look at return on investment. So if you go into this big lawsuit now, I don't know how it is now. Last time we spoke to a Chinese patent attorney, you could take a competitor off the market in China. In the United States, you can actually get damages. The IP landscape in China is still very difficult. It's possible to be successful, but it's much harder there than it is here. But they won't give you damages for all the business you lost, right? Minimal damages. You know, one of the things that, as I was saying, we use Excel for is scenario analysis. That's the type of work I did. And so in really helping your clients make to the decision, to what extent they'll use your services, I'm sure sending a letter, you know, always doing these first step easier things are the best way to go, being cordial. How does one make the decision? Is it a gut feeling? I'm angry. Is it, I think my, they're really ripping me off and I can make so much more money or I'll make money in damages? You know, what is the financial calculation for them, if it is a financial calculation at all? Well, no, it is a financial calculation. It's emotional calculation, too. I mean, there's people get upset when they've invested a lot of time developing a product and they see somebody just copying it. They lose competitive advantage. So that's what IP protects. You have to figure in the cost of the lawsuit. You have to look at the number of sales. You have to look at things like profit margins. How many sales am I losing because of this competitor? How much is it going to cost to take them to court? If a lawsuit is going to cost $200,000, but you're selling $10,000 a year worth of product, it makes no sense. But if that same lawsuit costs $200,000 and you have $5 million in sales every year, then if you can stop them from taking a part of that, then the lawsuit makes mm-hmm. sense. Absolutely. And I, I just love how much we're talking about numbers right now. Yes. <laughs> okay, I'm getting tingly. You've got that Excel spreadsheet out on the counter right, there, right? I'm, I'm writing it down. But another way to go with that could be to approach them and ask them if they would buy a license from you if you're not worried about their product diluting your brand. And then they can buy a license from you and then you get part of their profit on it. That's right. Mm -hmm. And I mean, most cases eventually settle and the parties work out some sort of financial arrangement. So say I'm not at the patent stage, but I have an idea. It's pretty solid. And I share it with someone and I make them sign an NDA. How enforceable is an NDA? I once did a legal review of that, and I found that very few confidentiality agreements ever end up getting litigated in court. So it's just not something that people sue on as much as other types of contracts, although there are cases out there with NDAs. It's more, it helps protect your patent rights because it keeps it confidential and there's legal reasons for that. And it also heightens the awareness between the two parties that, hey, what we're talking about here is meant to be confidential. But the safest route to go is always to get your patent or your trademark on file before you start having extensive discoveries. That gives you the most protection. It's much stronger than an NDA. Well, thank you for all that information. And where can everybody go to connect with you all? Well, you can find us on the Gearheart Law website. That's G-E-A-R, like gear shift. And then H-A A-R-T. A lot of people try to put the E in it and make it like the heart, but it's H-A-R-T. So G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W.com. And you'll see Richard's and my picture on there and you'll see all sorts of stuff about us. And they have a great team and you can call them for a consultation and they'll make sure they put you in the right direction. We would welcome your call. So if you have any questions, please call us. You're listening to Passage to Profit with Richard and Elizabeth Gerhardt. We'll be right back after this message. Hi, I'm Lisa Askley's Inventress. Founder, CEO, and president of Inventing A to Z. I've been inventing products for over 38 years. Hundreds of products later and dozens of patents. I help people develop products and put them on the market from concept to fruition. I bring them to some of the top shopping networks in the world. QVC, HSN, Evine Live, and retail stores. Have you ever said to yourself, someone should invent that thing? Well, I say, why not make it you? If you want to know how to develop a product from concept to fruition the right way, contact me, Lisa Askeles, the inventress. Go to inventingatoz.com, inventingatoz.com. Email me, lisa at inventingatoz.com. Treat yourself to a day chock full of networking, education, music, shopping, and fun. Go to my website, inventingatoz.com. Now back to Passage to Profit. Once again, Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. Our special guest this evening, Jordan Goldmeyer from Excel TV. And we're now to the pitch portion of our show. Each guest will get a total of eight minutes to pitch their product. The first two minutes will be to describe their product. Afterwards, we'll all be asking questions about your projects. Our first guest is, oh, she's dressed so beautifully. You really have to go on social media and see what she looks like. She's gorgeous. She could be a model. Uh, Christine Thorpe. 
And she is coming out with a new book, Living Beyond the Facade. Welcome, Christine. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me here today. And well, my name is Dr. Christine Thorpe. I'm the dean of the Nathan Weiss Graduate College at Kane University, and I'm a health educator. And in my work, I focus on health disparities among women and communities of color. And through the work that I do, I see a lot of information where we're constantly bombarded with statistics that indicate that certain groups are disproportionately living with and dying from chronic illnesses. And these groups mentioned are typically from underserved communities that are disenfranchised. And sadly, the information we receive continues to paint a bleak future for people of color. I also noticed the same theme related to personal finance. And a recent report published by Fortune magazine indicated that the median black household wealth is on a path to hit zero by 2053. And what never seems to come through these reports and statistics is how to solve the problem and not just report bad news. And within this information, there are no examples of community or people in communities who are doing well at all. So I wanted to find examples of people who are living well with respect to health and wealth. And I wanted to understand what they do differently to fight the negative information and capture what I learned from them to give people hope. And I decided to conduct research on the health practices and retirement planning decisions of Americans of African descent so that I could write a book to share positive advice. And I saw it was important for us to learn from those in the community who have achieved success in health and wealth without celebrity status. That is beautiful. I remember way back when, I'm dating myself, when the Cosby show came out, it was like, oh my gosh, a doctor and a lawyer and they're African-American. Like, yeah. we've never seen that before, yeah. right? Right, right. We're, we're, we were all thinking that and we watched every single episode because it showed us something that we were not normally seeing on TV. And I grew up with the Cosbys and went to college with people who said, I was going to be a lawyer or a doctor just like... Claire and Cliff Huxtable. That was the image that we went to college with, and many of my peers went down that path. Wow. So what did you find out in your book, and what are the main nuggets of advice you can share with us? So in my book that's forthcoming called Living Beyond the Facade, there were four key practices that were prevalent among the people that I interviewed. Their consciousness, their mindfulness, their execution, and discipline for doing well in health and wealth. And these decisions that they made with respect to these practices shaped their decisions. And in the stories that I captured, I have interviews of two and a half plus years worth of interviews of people who were so generous with their time and their information about how they made the choices related to health, their retirement decisions, their health practices, what some of their shortcomings were, how they got over some of their barriers. And what was your vision for retirement? You know, that's a really interesting question. And one of my favorite questions was, what is your vision for retirement? And they would pause and they got very deep and they think, I've always wanted to and would share their story. And it was so beautiful because it came from a really deep and dreamy place for them. But in that, they said, but I need to get there. And this is what I'm doing to get there. And it was really important for me not to live like the previous generation, my family who may have not had the means, or I've seen people in my family sick and ill from chronic illnesses, and I didn't want that. So I'm very careful about what I eat and how I take care of my body. What your audience might not know with all the Excel talk is that I'm also an EMT. So I've uh, just uh. so I've just uh, joined a volunteer EMT um, community, and EMS is a very new field. So really trying to figure out what community health kind of support that we can give. It's still very new, and they're trying a lot of new things. I'd be very interested to hear your perspective on that and how people are, are successfully dealing with things like chronic illness. People are working, at least for those I've interviewed for my book, they're making conscious decisions. So I would ask them, you know, what are you doing to take care of their health? And one of the requirements was you had to have a weekly regimen of exercise. What did that look like? Some people like structured activities. They were going to the gym every week. Some people had a personal trainer. Some people wanted to do yoga. Some people needed something that was more sports related that was enabling them to build community. Or one woman I interviewed said, 
I take long walks with my children because I work long hours every day and it was an opportunity for me to get some exercise in and spend time with them and not feel so guilty about the uh, time I was at work away from them. So, you know, people are trying to find ways to build it in, but they're mindful because they don't want to fall into the same traps of previous generations. One other thing I thought was really interesting is that, you know, I come from this data space, right, where data is often taken at its word to be the only story. We give it privilege to say it's the objective truth. And it sounds like mm-hmm. what you did was go behind it and find the real stories. And that data itself, just because it's data, doesn't mean it's always true or accurate. This is a qualitative study that I took on. It is all stories, vignettes that people shared. And you can read it. And anyone can look at it and find nuggets of lessons that they can apply to their life, regardless of who's saying the information. And yes, I share a little bit of quantitative data in terms of, you know, who's participated in the study, what their academic backgrounds were, what percentage were female versus male. But quite honestly, the meat of the information comes from them telling, how did I get to where I am? And how can I give words of wisdom to someone else who's reading this and thinking, oh, you know, I want to make a change and I can see my life through yours. So what was your favorite story? My favorite story. Goodness, there's so many different types. One gentleman had me laughing. Um, I interviewed a gentleman who was very, very strict about his dietary practices and his savings. And he says, I come into work every day with my Whole Foods bag and they know that this is all I'm going to eat. And um, I'm very careful about how much money I spend. I don't miss a beat. I'm not trying to live up to the Joneses and and get the big mansion and and the big car in the suburbs. I'm trying to be smart for the next generation. That's why I'm getting a divorce. And I said, oh. (laughs) (laughs) I I didn't expect him to say that. Not that this book is supporting divorce your spouse so that you can save money. That's taking it to an extreme. He was was probably the most extreme person that I interviewed and what he's doing. And I, I presume that was because they were on two different paths and two different focus as it relates to life in general. But he came recommended by someone who said, yeah, you want to talk to this person. Um, <laughs> he comes from a different mindset. He'd be pretty interesting. And he, he really was. Well, I think one of the fascinating things you said was really trying to break the non-useful patterns of your ancestors, the people right. that came. So in my family, I was the first one to get a college degree. And there were a lot of other things that I tried to do differently, too, to be more successful than what my previous generations had been. I think that's really important. And to spell out how people can do that. It was really important. But but what was really beautiful was how real it was and how they share the story. You know, they don't have a celebrity entourage that's helping them do this. And not to say that celebrities aren't real people. These are everyday people, I'll call it that, who get up and will go to work and understand the importance of a 401k, who understand the importance of learning about money beyond just a savings account. And talking with people who said, yeah, I didn't have my first savings account until I became an adult and understand that saving is more than just putting money in the bank. I didn't understand this thing called mutual funds. What, what is that? You know, stocks? That sounds volatile. I don't know. It's not stable. And they, they took steps that made them see beyond what they were currently living. I just want to clarify why I named it Beyond the Facade. I really wanted us to see how we currently live, how we want to live, and how we need to live. That's and great. that is why I called it Beyond the Facade. I'm definitely going to read that book when it comes out. So you are on Instagram, right? Yes. So I've been promoting the research from the book and through Instagram um, at Living Beyond the Facade. That is where folks will receive an alert once the book goes live on Amazon. But it's on Instagram at Living Beyond the Facade. I'm also on LinkedIn as Dr. Christine Thorpe. You can find me there, and I'm very excited, and thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. It's been great having you here. You know, we love to use this show to put new ideas forward, and we feel like we're looking at the future. And this positive change is awesome, so thank you. Thank you. I'm sure you'll inspire a lot of people. That's the game plan. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you are listening to WOR 710, Passage to Profit with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart.
our special guest, Jordan Goldmeyer. We just heard from Dr. Christine Thorpe about her upcoming book. We have one more pitch to do, which is going to be awesome. If you like art, if you like healing, hang around. If you're just joining us, this is going to be a podcast tomorrow. And you can get it at our website or on the iHeart website, either one. And it's the Passage to Profit show available on those two spots. And if you missed any of this, you really should go back and listen to it. And you'll see it all over social media, too. You're listening to Passage to Profit with Richard and Elizabeth Gerhart. We'll be right back after this message. There's never been a better time to start your own business. The opportunities are infinite and only limited by your imagination and enthusiasm. At Gerhart Law, we believe the most successful companies all have one thing in common. They start with a solid foundation first. Gerhart Law has years of experience protecting entrepreneurs, ideas, and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at www.gearheartlaw.com. Our professionals will create a custom strategy designed to fit your needs and your budget. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection, licensed and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Visit gearheartlaw.com. Together, we can change the world. Visit G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W dot com. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Passage to Profit continues with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. We're on our final pitch for the evening, and with us is Elena Zalinina. You've got two minutes to make your pitch, Elena. I am presenting today the project that's called Art Completes You. The website, it's artcompletesyou.com. The project, it's a program and the book that was published last fall, how you can rewrite your brain that anyone can be an artist and uh, the opportunities that come when you become the creative person that support your business, that can support your love life because you are not in the pattern thinking, can be a great thing for parents can be a wonderful thing for seniors and depending on the group you can take this method and the book and apply it accordingly to who as a teacher you are working with or as an individual from the beginning till end that's all you need and the best thing one more thing is that I did prepare an absolutely free Facebook group and the course that I supported that has all the videos as well. So you get that along with this book. That sounds so great. Rewiring my brain, that sounds a little bit scary to me, but I guess um, you know how to do it in a very positive way. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that process? Yeah, it sounds a little... (laughs) 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 You're right. Not that mine Um, was wired correctly in the first place. (laughs) Yes, so it's, let's put it um, more specific rewiring to the blissful state of your brain, to the joy, uh, to the uh, realizing your creative potential, realizing who you are. And while the whole method came from, it comes from uh, my travels, very ancient Vedic tradition. Uh, I spent about 10 years traveling uh, through India from north to south, all different meditations. I discovered also principles of creating the painting, uh, which is can take an absolute beginner, and uh, you come up with awesome artwork. I am an artist. I just had a show here in New York uh, till yesterday. So trust me, it's a quality artwork. It's not that you create something that it's like this cute nonsense and everyone says, oh, I see it this way. It's like the real thing. So the practices, because they are so ancient and because they are tried and proven to be working on billions of people, they are not going to hurt your psychology. They are only going to take away the thought patterns that they are not working anymore. So I want to ask you, I'm a big art fan. I love art. I love art museums. Wonderful. I have I read art books. So what makes for good art? It's uh, f- two aspects. One is the artist 
the personality and how much the artist was within himself or herself while creating. Because if you create from the space of enriching, sharing your insights with others, your art will be authentic. The other part is what you're actually doing to your viewer. And I have to say that I wish more artists take responsibility for what they create. Because we actually do affect each other with our art. And when people bring our art to their homes, we want to create the uplifting, blissful environment in the homes. We don't want to create more stress that really affects the health of people. So to me, good art is authentic, quality-wise still excellent, and the impact is in the enriching, causing other people's reality. What many people, again, probably don't know about me is I'm also a writer. So I love, I love, love, love writing. And in my first book, um, Advanced Excel Essentials, I said, because people have asked me, well, how do you come up with these things in Excel that Microsoft hasn't even come up with? And the answer is, I said this, the most important thing is to be creative. And many of the solutions, now I'm going to sound like a crazy person, have come to me while dreaming or just while waking up. I've just seen them. And I think creativity, especially in my space, is downplayed so much, even though it's at the heart of what I do. It's this sort of abstract thought that allows me to create something that um, is new. And I was wondering if you could just speak to people in the tech space who don't think of themselves perhaps as creatives, how they could tap into that type of energy. Um, I am a coach as well, international coach. And I have people from the creative space and what they love and do, they create with the same, these exercises, but the creativity programs that they do with their companies. Uh, so that solutions are better, it's um, faster, and the brain doesn't think the same way. Uh, and some of the meditations are so easy. They are so easy. You don't have to go bare feet uh, in Himalayas, you really can create the ambience right to where you are. So I just want to point something out. <laughs> Another shameless plug. But seriously, though, people often ask, what can you copyright? Well, if somebody does a painting, they can copyright that. So my question is, have you ever had anybody who's just like done an amazing painting that everybody wants? I don't know if you can create a piece that everyone would want. And it's actually, I don't think that's a good idea <laughs> to be in the space to begin with. Uh, because usually what everyone wants has a story. Someone stole something and the painting became famous. So, But creating a piece that many, many people want and they, uh, that makes money, yeah, it's absolutely... Uh, possible? Do do they need to copyright? I have no clue. I need you. <laughs> I need you. If you help. want to, you can. So. <laughs> yes, yeah. You just don't want it to show up in print somewhere on the sidewalk in New York, yes. and you're not getting any money from you, the yeah. reprint of your painting, right? Exactly. I have to. Re I will recommend it to all the workshops and the talks I do to explore your work because artists do need that and we really have no clue so lots of times i think of the artist as being somebody who's just sort of outside the realm the normal flow of society they take this position of being outside the mainstream so that they can look in and come up with new approaches and new ideas but it doesn't really sound like your program is really about that at all it sounds some more about just taking who you are and creating something based on that, and whether you're inside or outside the mainstream of the world. Yeah, because you can, it's really up to a person. So one person doesn't want to go to extreme. They just want to go within and find the healing and almost like art therapy, but way, way better than art therapy. And another person wants to be a person, wants to be an extreme. So God bless them. Let them do whatever crazy things they want. I mean, unless they're not hurting. Make sure. Dumping paint on someone's hat or something. Yes. This is all very interesting and exciting. And so what would be something for someone like me after this show, I could do 
you know, for a few minutes or something that would be easy, not very hard, that could get me started to think creatively? There is a very simple exercise. It's called the line throughout the program. You do it several times. But to open up creativity, you just need this. You get as much paper as you want. You get a pencil and start drawing a line. There are no rules except one. Once you see that some shape is forming, it can be a face, it can be a circle, a triangle, whatever, you have to stop and start another line. So the idea is with this it's creativity opening exercise, you cannot draw any shapes. And your spaces, you are trying to be a tool for your pencil. So you are receiving whatever the pencil wants to do, you have to be super present for it to go anywhere it wants to go in any sharp round, stop, break, start again. As long as there are no shapes, you are doing great. And just join Art Completes You course on Facebook. It's the first exercise. I have a video. I have the examples. Uh, this one exercise, if you do it for 21 days, by the way, duration is up to you. If you do it for 21 days, uh, the ideas, you will not know where to hide from them. <laughs> so the blank canvas, like so many people are afraid of, is just uh, not an issue. That's really wonderful. So we've come to the end of our segment, but it's been an absolute joy and pleasure to have you on our show, Elena. And maybe you could Thank say you. one more time where people can find out more about your program. Thank you so much. So artcompletesyou.com. It has the links to Facebook, but the name is consistent everywhere. So Art Completes You group, Art Completes You course. I will be very happy to connect to anyone who is interested in becoming an artist. And where do you live, Elena? I live Upper West Side here in New York. Okay, so if you're in this area, do you do any live classes? or? Uh, I do Zoom classes sometimes. Sometimes I do live talks in the library, actually Queen's. Central Library already bought this book for their collection. And I have two more, one in Midtown. That's what I'm working. I want this book to be available to everyone. Well, thank you very much again for joining us. And you're listening to Passage to Profit with Richard and Elizabeth Gerhardt. We'll be right back after this message. What are entrepreneurs' most valuable assets? Their passion and ideas. We can't protect your passion, but we can protect your ideas. Trust Gerhardt Law to protect your ideas with premier patent, trademark, and copyright services. There's never been a better time to start your own business. Contact us at GearhartLaw.com. At Gerhardt Law, we have years of experience protecting entrepreneurs' ideas and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at Gearheart Law, www.gearheartlaw.com. Don't let the wrong protection strategy ruin your business. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection and are licensed and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Contact Gearheart Law on the web at G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W dot com. Together, we can change the world. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Now more with Richard and Elizabeth. Passage to Profit. Go now to the Passage to Profit website and make your choice. Pick the project that you like the best. You can only vote once, and you have until next Sunday at 8 p.m. to vote. We had Christine Thorpe. She's on Instagram at, you know, the Instagram little A thing. Living Beyond the Facade, and Elena Zelenina of ArtCompleteYou.com. And if you're just tuning in, boy, you missed a great show. You have to go back and listen to the podcast tomorrow. It'll be on the Gerhart Law website, G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W.com. And you can also Google Passage to Profit, and you'll see the podcast there. You'll see more about the show. You'll see past guests. And you'll also have an opportunity to vote on the presentation this evening that you liked the best. And the winner of tonight's contest will receive a professionally produced video of their pitch valued at 
at $500. Really, thank you, you guys, for coming to the studio today. I know it's a trek to get into Tribeca and come up to the iHeart Studios, but we love having you here. And Richard and I really enjoy hearing the pitches and the guests each week, and we feel like we're just seeing everything new that's happening in our world. And thank you to Jordan Goldmeyer from XLTV. Great to have you, Jordan. Before we go, do you have any final words for our listeners? Sure. So uh, when we heard from the pitches, what we heard is that creativity um, and also looking behind the numbers. So I love data, but data isn't everything. So just remember that when you make decisions that there are other ways to take in information. And because of that, we get a lot smarter for it. So that's what I would say. I love these ideas. For me, I'm very humbled and excited to be here. So thank you so much for having me on. Oh, it was our pleasure. And thank you for pulling it all together in such a great way. Eloquent way. Yes, definitely. So we'd also like to thank our media maven, Kenya Gibson, who talked to us a little bit about intellectual property. Our producer, Noah Fleischman, Rob Barretts, our engineer, and the whole iHeart team. So don't forget to join us next week for another excellent speaker and another round of pitches. And listeners, you can start thinking about what your pitch will be. And don't forget to like us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. This is Richard and Elizabeth Gerhart from Gerhart Law on iHeartRadio with Passage to Profit, WOR710, the voice of New York.